Hello, world. It's me, Dennis, and I'm on the phone. <clears throat> on the phone with April Brandon. Hi, April. Hi, Dennis. So, how is the Boston summer compared to the South Texas summer? Are you adjusting? Is there an internal shift? Are you dodging cucarachas like you did down here in South Texas? What's going on? Um, it is no offense to South Texas, but I've been watching their weather, and it's probably over 100 there today. And today it's a lovely 80 degrees even with a cool breeze. So I'm loving it. I'm not sweating, and my makeup's still on. So I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, how... So what was it like to to really to hone your writing and comedic skills down here in South Texas? Because you, how did you get this particular job and begin to go? Because I'd like to go back a little bit into your writing history, into when you decided to become a, a humorous columnist and started to have this kind of perspective. So. Tell me a little about it, and tell me a little about your as you were as you were applying your trade here in South Texas. Okay, well, I guess um, I've always sort of had a casual writing style, even in school. Yeah. And um, the the favorite story my mom likes to tell is that in elementary school she had a parent teachers conference, and we all had to write letters to the president, who at the time was George Bush Senior. And the teacher was like, you know, April's doing great. She's getting good grades, but I'm a little bit concerned about her. And my mom was like, why? And she showed her my letter as opposed to all the other students' letter, which all the other students were like, dear Mr. President, how are you? And I had wrote, hey, George, what's up? It's really hot out today, huh? <laughs> and um, so it, it started, I've always had a very casual style, and it, it often got me in trouble in school because they're like, you're not taking it seriously and stop with the jokes. Um, but I didn't actually think about a career as a writer. I've always been a big reader, but um, it was when I discovered Dave Barry. I was reading all these heavy classics and, and everything like that, and then one day I picked up the newspaper and Colin was there, and I remember laughing, and the, the realization, I was probably like 11 at the time, like, you, you can write like this? Like, professional writers can write like this? Like, you don't have to write, like, you know, Shakespeare? And so... Once I discovered him, I was like, I want to do that. I want his job. And so yeah. from from then on, I started writing, and I interned and started a column uh, at the small little newspaper. And it sort of grew from there, and then I moved to South Texas. And um, after a couple of months, I approached the editor, and I was like, hey, I used to write this column. I'd really like to start it here. And he gave me a shot, which was amazing. And... Um, and so basically the idea for the column has always been writing about what it's like to grow up because, you yep. know, once you get out of high school and college, you know, the real world, it really slaps you in the face, or at least that's what it felt like to me. And I was struggling with, sure. you know, like you have, like the first time I got a water bill, I was like, I have to pay for water? Like that, it covers 70% <coughs> of the earth's surface. Why are you charging me? And so I just sort of turned that into, you know, a column and, yeah. and just these things that, like, happen to you. And uh, readers really responded, um, some a, a lot negatively, but but um, I had a lot of loyal readers, too. And, um, yeah, so sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. Cool. I'm, not, I'm not good about talking about myself. 
Oh, well, no, this is, don't worry, I will lead you. I have a thousand questions, so you can just sit back, relax, and, and, and put your feet up, and we'll go on from there. So, so anyway, when, how did you react to the, that when you really, when you wrote a joke or you wrote some comedy and it really came just right in there and people, like, really responded and you, and you got that, that, was that an amazing feeling? Oh, it still is. Like, I'm still shocked when uh, people tell me that, you know, first of all, that they, they even read me. I'm still shocked. <laughs> I'm like, really? Somebody out there is interested? Um, but the fact <laughs> that I can make someone laugh, because like, in real life, I'm not, I'm not that funny. Like, I'm not a stand-up comedian. Because you tell people, you know, oh, I'm a humor columnist, and they're like, make me laugh, monkey. And I'm like, I really, I, I can't. I take some several drafts to be funny. But yeah. But that feeling, there's no feeling in the world like that, like having mm-hmm. somebody, like even when I have my husband read my rough draft and, and I hear him giggle, it's, it's just this, this elation that comes over me. Like I, I did my job and, and that somebody gets it. Somebody gets what I'm trying yeah. to do and I'm not out there on that limb by myself. <laughs> what, what I love about the best comedy that I, that I read and what I love about your work is it comes out of the real experience. It's not trying to, to uh, make fun of or to make something out of whole cloth. When it comes out of something that I'm actually going through, that some fear or some, some challenge, it's so, not only is it real, but it gives it that place of that common ground. That's what I love. Yeah, and to me that is, that is the best um comedy because we all and, and what I think always shocks me is that I write these things and, and at the time I'm writing them it's it's strictly for an audience of one. It's strictly for me. Like I'm just writing about my experience, whether it's, you know, getting that horrible haircut or the thoughts going through my mind, you know, when I'm stuck in a mm-hmm. traffic jam. But then somebody reads them and it was like I think the exact same way. And it it's sort of oh. you know, one, it's it's bonding us because it's funny, but two, then we all sort of, you know, you begin to realize that, like, most people have similar thoughts and similar experiences, and and to me, that's that's amazing when somebody has the exact same thoughts, and they're like, you said exactly what I was thinking. That, to me, there's no higher compliment. You're right. You're right. And that, and so, are you noticing a difference between, because you were 25, and you got a chance to write about all this being 25-ness, and then suddenly you were approaching 30. Was that an emotional experience for you? Did you, uh, as you're looking, being a woman and being 30 and having to say, okay, where am I in, in, in the world, and, and ha- have things shifted from your perspective? Oh, very, <laughs> very, very much so. I, I can't get over I didn't mean that, that physically. I mean, you, you know what I mean. Oh, no, no, I know what you mean. Um, but, like, as I get older, um, because there's there's something to be said for being a, a young writer because it's or at least at the time when I was 25 there didn't seem to be so much at stake because this was just something that that I did and I enjoyed and other people enjoyed it and it was just sort of this fluke that I sort of got into it and I, I worked hard for it but at the same time and now as I get older there more doubts are coming which I think is is really funny like as you get older you're supposed to get more confident and then yeah. But I'm I'm sort of having the opposite reaction. I'm like, you know, can I still get away with this, or or are these jokes now juvenile? Like I'm a woman of 
of 30 now, and I should I have a 401k, and I don't. And um, but that all fuels the the writing, you know, because I'm not doing things the the traditional way. So it's actually I have more material to mine from. But the um, yeah. the self doubt is playing a bigger role now. Which I, I really hate because everybody told me, oh, when you're in your 30s. You know, you're more confident and you know who you are and you'll look back on your 20s and laugh. And I'm like, no, I was pretty confident when I was 25. <laughs> you don't exactly. look too confident when I was 25. Yeah. Isn't that an amazing process? So are you able to mine that doubt for writing? Like, like you, you were, you, one of your wonderful columns was how angry at you, you were at, at, at Mark Zuckerberg because of his because uh, Facebook, how, how did you deal with all the, the happy birthday issues that you that you had with all people who didn't know you wishing you a happy birthday as you're getting this, this group of fans around? And could you talk about that? Yeah, that was because um, uh, it, it really blows my mind. Like on Facebook, I have over a 1,000 friends now. And, and that actually started when I wrote for Victoria. And then people who read me, and because I write about my life, people have told me that they feel like they know me. And they would stop me, you know, at the grocery store or whatever and be and, and just talk to me. And I had no idea who these people were. And it sort of also manifest, manifested in, on Facebook, too, because I accept everybody, you know. That's probably why I have a million viruses on my <laughs> computer, because I just accept anybody. And um, so I, I wake up on my birthday, and I have – and this is the other thing I hate about Facebook, is that not only do you get the alert on Facebook, but you also get an email alerting you you have an alert on Facebook, and it's a horrible cycle where it's, it's basically junk mail that I'm constantly being bombarded with. And it was, by the time I woke up, I, I lost count at around like 60, but they were still coming in. And so I had all these happy birthday messages from, you know, family and friends and people I had never met before, and people in Texas, a couple of people in Boston, and I just, I didn't know what to do, like what's What's proper procedure? Do I have to respond to everybody individually, or can I give just, like, one big note, like, hey, thanks, everybody, for the birthday wishes, which I did, but then more people wrote, and I was like, do I have to write another one because maybe they didn't see the first one? And so I wrote another one. And it was all day. My 30th birthday was just this big cycle of me, like, constantly checking my phone. Everybody's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, i got to keep up with all these happy birthday things because I I don't want to be rude, and that's why I hate Mark. Zuckerberg, because he changed my birthday into, like, my mom and grandma calling me to everyone basically sending me a virtual card. And I'm like, I can't, I can't keep up. And then you feel like an asshole for even complaining about it because you're like, all these people care about me. And so it's just a horrible cycle that was my birthday. So he changed, he has changed birthdays forever. I hope he's happy. (laughs) I know. I know, Mark, and, and because I, I'm just dealing with just the fact of I don't know how to be the last person to stop in a text message. Mm. You know, yeah. where you go, yeah. okay, all right, see you later. You bet. All right, take care. Uh, you too. And wh- who, 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 wh- what is the etiquette for when you stop? Just stop. Is a, and I don't know. You know I want to make out, sure that I, Yeah, yeah, I, 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 have, I have no idea. So, so now you're in Boston, and you're and you're writing uh, Broke Wife, Big City, which is your your blog, and and you're also on, and, and you're also uh, writing a column for. I mean, you're you're reporting for what is the weekly paper? No, well, it the is Dig? a column. It's uh, yeah, it's um, called Weekly Dig, 
And the website is, is that, actually was that Boston. from the was that from the Big Dig? Is that why they came they came up with that name, or is it just dig like like digging into into stories? You know what? I should really know that, but I don't. <laughs> All right, but going, any, anyway, so you're and that, so how are you marketing yourself? Are you going on interviews to? Uh, how do you, how do you go out there and say uh, hello world? It's me, April. Uh, in terms of a writer or like job interviews or. Oh no! As a writer, I'm, I want to stick in this thing because this is—I I am such a fan of yours, and I have experienced your creativity. And, and like I, I, when when I first read your your writing, and I'm old enough at 63 that I remember Irma Bombach, and and Irma and Dave were just the two two sides of a wonderful. I mean, they wrote. They write so much about the humanity and this, and, and I just went, it just knocked me out. And Melissa was the same way, my wife, and we both. So when we got a chance to, to see where you're going, so I, I want to stay in that in that writing. So wherever you're going, I mean, whatever quote-unquote job you may take, this is where you're going. This is, we're <laughs> firmly, we're firmly ensconced in that and continue to, to throw, uh, throw uh, seeds and everything your way in that way. So. That's what I'm asking. So, what what kind of writing, and and how are you marketing yourself? How are you how are you letting the world know about you? Okay. Well, um, social networking is amazing. Um, so, and anything I write, um, it is it's always instantly reposted to Facebook and Twitter, um, and because that's the way too. I find out about other writers I like. Is it sort of changed mm-hmm. the game where, you know, you can be your own marketing machine. You you basically brand yourself. And so yep. what I've been playing, basically I, I, I like to think of myself, and this is, I, I don't, this is going to sound like I have a big head. <laughs> but um, All right, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> but I'm sort of marketing myself as, you know, in the same tradition as Irma Bombeck and, and Dave Barry, but if they mm-hmm. were, you know, a 20-something woman to try and navigate the world, you know, like, um, so so basically the the reincarnation of their tradition, yep. you know, for, for awesome. a new audience, and um, and because I do, I write about, um, you know, just everything in life, and that, like, my marriage was a big deal, because I was not the traditional bride, so, yeah. you know, writing about that and the horrors of, of wedding planning for, for a woman, you know, like, guys, I, I don't know if guys really get it, but as a woman, especially, like, if you are you really don't care, like, what kind of flowers you have, or... I, I just care about my dress and the booze. Like, as long as I had those two things, I was fine. Even the groom didn't have to be there, because I had a really pretty dress and a bottle of wine, so I was fine. And... But, you you know, so so all the little things, and, like, just being a dog owner, and, and, and like I said, navigating Facebook, and then this changing technology, and there's so many things to write about. And I've actually gotten not so much criticized, but I had been told before that I could become, you know, a a bigger known name if I narrowed down my, my scope, my view, because they're like, you're all over the map and you're writing about everything and, you know, it, it's your, everything, it, it's kind of messy, like you have no focus. And I was like, well, that's kind of the point, that's life, like there is no focus in life. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of specialized writers out there, but, you know, Dave Barry and Irma Bombeck, they they wrote about everything too. So 
So to me, everything is is inspiration, and so just sort of marketing myself as like a, a, the the poor college kid, Dave Barry. <laughs> exactly, and that the, the now you're just you're just moving out there. So how have you found Boston? How have you found it? The the difference in the are, are is there a different stimulation? Is there a different atmosphere as far as just this? The, the 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 sense as as you walk around when I talk about atmosphere I'm thinking more of the social atmosphere and and the and the the ideas that are flowing I mean do you find what's what is the difference between I know here in South Texas and when I was there and I got a chance to we got a chance to meet and have a have a, a bunch of wine and have a wonderful time there in Boston with you when we when you were that when we were there but how do you find it different what's the what's your perspective uh there's there's a lot more positives, but there's also some, some negatives. Um, Boston is very much because it's so, for me at least, growing up in a small town and then you know living in a, you know small city in Texas. This is by far the the biggest city I've ever lived yeah. in, and so I have these new experiences like riding the subway for the first time and getting screamed at by a scary guy on the street and almost being knocked over by like two homeless guys fighting, you know. And so there's all these things that like, in, in my opinion, some of my best Writing always stems out of a fish out of water tale. Like when I exactly. am in a situation that I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> at all, and so in in terms of that, there's there's no end of ideas because every day there's something new that that happens that I've never experienced before, and and so I love it. And I'm constantly I take into like actually carrying paper and pen with me to jot down ideas because I was you know writing on the back of receipts and napkins and it got really messy. And but but the the negative side of that, and then this is my own, um, you know, and, and I guess hang up, is that trying to write and trying to get like a Boston audience is is a lot more difficult, just because there's so many good writers here, and there's so many other, you know, I mean this is you know there's 60 colleges in, in Greater Boston, so the people here are like wicked smart, you know, so I feel a little bit out of my yeah. element. And uh, but but then at the same time, when when you get a compliment from you know another writer in Boston or an editor or something like that, you're like, okay, good, I do fit in here. So I'm I'm slowly getting over that like that fear. And um, and then the other good thing is that it's given me a chance to sort of stretch my my writing wings in terms of you know Victoria yeah. was a very conservative place, and and I was yep. being a very outlandish there by a lot of people and I I really changed myself. You know, I I really reined it in just because I was causing so much controversy with stuff that I didn't think was controversial. <laughs> and, exactly, um, just being April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and so there was I I, I don't know, I, I I sort of became a sensation when I didn't want to be and not in a good way, like it was like, oh April Brand is Jesus the devil. And but here, no. you know, it's it's allowed me to do not worry so much. I can shut that inner critic up because one, I'm, right. I'm sort of farther removed from because I'm still writing for the Advocate. They're they're wonderful sure. and they, they still let me write my column. But since I'm farther removed from the critics and I'm not living there anymore because you know Victoria's not that big, you would run into people that you knew yeah. really hated what you did and that was hard. And so being far removed from that and moving to a more, I guess I don't know, liberal place, less conservative. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's given me a chance to, 
get rid of that fear and be like, it's okay. And it's okay to like, you know, have to shock people. If if they want to be shocked, that's fine. Just say what you need to say and stop um, self-censoring because that was a big problem. Absolutely. Because it really is that inner critic that, that that I have to deal with most inside of me. The one that's the one that limits my creativity. It's very seldom the the person out there. Because I, I if it were, then I would react to exactly the same thing when when things happen, and I don't. But my inner critic, that permission that I give myself, that's really the opportunity for me to be able to both be creative and to grow, and that that's what I love about it. And you know, yeah. April, when when I was, what I thought about you, and that's the commonality. When when you, none of us, we think that, or we're told, or we try to personify that we know what we're doing. What you reach <laughs> at that point underneath that none of us know what we're freaking doing. We're making it up as we go along. We look like we have. You know, because we have the suits and we have the 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 equitement and all that, so it looks like we have it going on. But we're really inside dancing as fast as we can and going, "Holy crap! What are we? We we really don't know what we're doing." And that's where I think your writing so touches people is because it helps us to know. You know, nobody really knows what they're doing. It just looks that way. We set it up to be that way. <laughs> well, that, that's good to hear. That's, that's really good to hear. Thank you. <laughs> because and, and that's where we're and, and that that's that place. So uh, and and your so when you look at the next, how do you plan ahead? Do, are you a, an early morning writer? And do you write down? Do you just do uh, ideas at the uh, when you get them and then just sit down and pull off into a, a, on a park bench and start writing down or a, What's your creative process like? I was talking with Tina Dupuy about hers, and and I'd love to know what yours is. Oh, mine's kind of messy like my life, but, I I mean, would you expect it any other way? Um, (laughs) I'm, um, and this is unique for me because this is the first time I'm, you know, writing from from home. I'm freelancing, so there's not like an office I go to every day. So my process has changed a lot because I'm not that disciplined. I'm definitely not a morning person, so I usually don't start writing until you know, two in the afternoon. And yeah. um and actually for my thirtieth birthday, my dear husband uh transformed our spare bedroom into my office because I was struggling writing I was writing out in the living room with, you know, my laptop and, and but I, I can't resist like, you know, there's a giant T V out there, so of course I'm gonna turn it on. And then I have my dog, you know, who's very neurotic and always yeah. barking and and the phone's always ringing, and I'm always like, well, I should probably check Facebook. And there were just way too many distractions for me. So now I have this nice, quiet little room that I can lock the dog out of if I need to. There's no TV. And so so basically I'll, I'll get an idea, and I've been doing that. I've been writing, you know, a column since 2003 or four. So it's, it's been quite a while. And so now every time I go out to do something, even if it's to go to the grocery store or whatever, if, if something happens or... You know, and usually it's my emotions. If I, I get really angry about something or I'm scared for some inexplicable reason, I'm like, there's a column there. Like, Perfect. And so everything I do, I'm like, oh, that's, that'd be a good column. And so whatever I happen to have at the time, I've, I've emailed myself from my cell phone before ideas. 
um, or I'll jot it down on whatever piece of paper I happen to have around, or I'll tell my husband, don't let me forget, I need to write about this. And, you know, he's he's great. He's like my personal PDA. And um, so, and then usually from the idea, you know, I'll I'll flush it out a bit on paper, Um, usually just like fragments of jokes. Like, I don't know the end of this joke, but here's a great beginning. (laughs) Yeah. And um, and then when I uh, when I sit down to write, it's usually I, I never start at the beginning or the end. It's always right in the middle, and and I can't tell you why it's oh. always been that way. Um, but I always start with like the core, either either joke or or central idea. And usually, what it comes is is in the form of a perfect sentence. I have this perfect sentence, and I type that on the screen. And then from there, everything else flows up and down. And and usually my um, – this was a practice I started in college because the professor insisted on it, but I took one class, and every lead that we wrote for a story, he would make us write ten just to, to make us realize that there's, you know, a million different ways to start a story. So that first line that you read every time, there were nine other versions of that, and that was the one I picked as the best. So maybe I shouldn't tell that because <laughs> people would be like, really, that was your best? Um Oh, God, that's wonderful. What a terrific exercise to get you to look at things from another perspective. Mm-hmm. And then and it's even happened to me a couple of times where, like, you, you actually change the the point of view or something major because you're like, you know what, this isn't about this. This is actually about this. And, and it really makes you reexamine what you're writing about. So I, I suggest everybody do do it. It's a great way. Or even, like, the end line. Um, that's also another thing you can do. You can write several kickers and, and practice with them because yeah. that's a great process about writing is that, you know, nobody's watching you when you fail. So you have all this freedom to write things that are horrible, absolutely horrible because no one's going to see them because you have the handy right. handy delete button. So I have written some massive oh. crap in my life. It's just nobody's ever seen it. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so glad that you said that because that that has been one of the most valuable processes with me as a writer, and I, and I think of it kind of like, you know, like when you're, you're when, when you're either digging for gold, you have to be willing to go through a lot of dirt before oh, you reach yeah. the gold, and you never know when you're going to reach it. You just don't know, but you got it. But but I got to get out there and just get the pins, just get the words out and work them. You know, let them go out because eventually, I will hit that gold. I can trust that. And I hit it faster if I'm willing to just sit down and relax and let just some drivel flow out before it hits that that place that suddenly, oh, God, what a feeling that is. Oh, yeah, there's no better feeling. (laughs) I I just love it when it all, when an idea comes together and it just feels so right and it's clear and it's exactly what I want to say whether it's for a speech or whether it's for or it's in a conversation like we're having right now or whether it's on on the page and when it all just happens oh my goodness it's such a it's such an amazing like, like being in the present and it just kind of flows out and there it is and I I have a very difficult time going back to follow back where that creative process is it's like it's like it only happened in that present moment and you can't hold on to it like yeah, you can't hold on to an idea. Yeah. 
And I, so I love to be able to let it go and then move on to that next one because it, they're going to keep coming. It's like the universe is like this amazing Pez dispenser. There's always going to be another one. Or like, you know, like, like our, our hero, Joss Whedon, uh, talked about through Angel. You know, there's always going to be another opportunity for redemption. All you got to do is take it. And there's always going to be another idea. All we have to do is take it, and are we then are we willing to to work with it and massage it and and see what April's take on it is and Dennis's take on it is and each one of us, because that's all we got. That was beautifully said, Dennis. <laughs> Thank you, my dear. So, how does how is Ryan? Uh, did did you have to work with Ryan to convince him that that it was important for you to be able to write about him and to write about him in his marriage in in your marriage and and to say, okay, Ryan, you're going to be my life is going to be very much of a, not only of an open book, but it's going to be a book for everyone to read. <laughs> I really do have the best uh, husband in the world. Um, so and, and what helped in um, that situation was when he met me, uh, we were both working for a newspaper in Ohio, and he and I was actually writing a column for a different newspaper, but, you know, he knew about the column and, and everything. And so when we started dating and everything, I was like, you realize that I write about everything in my life, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, just as long as you know. I'm just giving you a heads up. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, and I'm, I'm sure there's been moments where he's like, oh, my God, why did I do this girl? Because I really do. I do not hold back on anything he's ever done that's embarrassing. And he even now turns to me. Like, he, um, one time there was a hilarious incident where he was outside and I just saw him suddenly, like, screaming like a little girl and, like, waving his hands and, like, running all over the yard. And I'm like, and I just started laughing. I'm like, what is he doing? And then he rushes inside and slams the door. And I'm still laughing. And he was like, and I'm like what happened? And he was like, there was a bee chasing me. And, and that's the day I found out he's terrified of bees. So, of course, I'm like, this is going to be a great column. And I, I hadn't even finished that thought in my head when suddenly he got all serious and looked at me, and he was like, oh, you're going to turn this into a column, aren't you? And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he already knows. You know, he, he knows my thought process. and But yeah. but he's really good. He, he really, unless he's lying to me, he honestly doesn't mind, and he, he finds me funny. So that's a big exactly. plus. Isn't that the, I mean, when someone who loves you and knows you and has seen you, uh, seen you at your absolute uh, most naked, I'm talking about emotionally naked, physically naked, everything, and in your absolute worst that they can still find, find us funny, we know that there's something there. What a gift. Oh, yeah. What a blessing. Well, thank you for talking and sharing with me on our first conversation along the road. April, I want to continue. I'm I'm so grateful. I've been such a fan of yours for so long. And it was so hard because I I have literally talked with heads of state and I've talked with uh, top 
uh, people uh, within corporations and all. And I was more nervous about talking with you when I first met you. And I had this whole fanboy kind of a thing, you know, because you love Joss Whedon and you love that. And I, it's been so hard to get through that to finally to be able to be more comfortable around you. So I, I so appreciate your patience and and us being able to continue to laugh and 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 have these conversations. So. Uh, Thank you, and, and we will just keep reading you and, and laughing with you and, and whenever we're together uh, sharing a, a wonderful cup of wine. Well, well, I thank you, and I just, I, that's so funny to me that you were nervous talking to me because I'm, I, I just consider myself April, so that's great. You're going to give me a big head, and that's I'm okay my with point. it. Well, so. that, that's what we're doing, and, and you just, just April is exactly what the world needs, and uh, we just want to continue to have more of it. <laughs> All right, take well, care, my dear, and uh, say hello to uh, Ryan for Melissa and me, and, and we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Bye. Bye.